Well, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Again, you'd welcome you to my program, The Whistleblower. My name is John, and I'd just like to say what we're doing tonight is I'm going to be talking about Burnaby, British Columbia. This is just a subdivision of Vancouver, between New Westminster and Vancouver. It's uh, quite an interesting background in this, and I hope you will enjoy this uh, particular historical history of this city. Originally, this was the Coast Salish world. This was before Burnaby existed. If the lands were to the ancestors of several local Central Coast Salish nations, early inhabitants were the Hangmonwen, the speaking people, and the Suwechen Seven Mesh, and the Talkawatu. Uh, you'll have to excuse my English. Uh, I'm not too good at pronouncing Indian words but it's not done as a sleight of hand. Now, now, each nation celebrates its own unique culture history. The nations were connected through family, social life, traditions, and protocols, and their, even their own language. Most important aspect of these nations and people's identity in determining where they lived and hunt and fished, along with special privileges and then inherited like the permission to perform a song or a dance. Villagers varied in size from dozens to 1,000 residents. Visitors were welcomed, but they were told where to fish and hunt. Visitors were told not to trespass on places called lineage property. There was a possibility that in return for their access, they might themselves became a host at another future time. In other words, tribes were doing this back and forth with each other. So, anyways, families traveled to the Fraser River and, and in the spring to catch fish and other uh, sea-bearing animals and sockeye and as well as for salmon runs. People also through Burnaby had to go to the north of the Brunette River, which joined with the Fraser River. The Whitsun Village's seasonal fishing camps were located at this junction. The Fraser River brought several cultural Coast Salish people at fishing sites along the river, and each family visited parts of their own seasonal round, which depended on various factions and families' connections, being one of the prime factors for them. Bernie was the host to many indigenous villages. There was a long time occupation of this area. There was many archaeological and heritage sites in Burnaby. Sites have been found along the shore below the Burnaby Mountain and the Deer Lake. There are many more sites to be identified. Dispossession and early settlers from 1855 to 1880. More than 100,000 Coast Salish indigenous people lived in BC next to two Washington state. Uh, the population consisted of agricultural background, and they, they developed a way to store food for the winter. Northwest Coast indigenous people developed technology to preserve salmon and other seafoods, which was kept all year round for the food for themselves. However, settlers had very little regard for the indigenous ways of life. Before 1850, a few hundred Anglo-Canadians that were fur traders and they brought their diseases to the indigenous people. Smaller communities began to 
consolidate into larger villages of survivors of the sicknesses. Burnaby at this time was thought to be a vast empty wilderness. However, the settlers had their own views that the lands were for the settlers and the improvement basically that the land was agricultural. However, at this time, the indigenous people were pushed aside and harvesting practices did not lead to altercations of the land. However, in 1858, the Fraser Gold Rush, from this the colony of British Columbia was born. Officials from England and the Royal Empress came to establish the new Westminster as the colony's capital. However, the North Road, Kingsway, Canada Way, and Marine Drive were the overland routes that were built by the Royal Engineers. Much surveying was done to determine the property lines. This helped settlers to claim land as private property. However, the First Nations were never allowed even to own land. BC joined the Canada in 1871. The feds enacted the Indian Act and this restricted indigenous people and they had to assimilate into the settlers' culture. 1870 to 1880, logging permits were issued to the settlers. Food once more for the indigenous people, animals, were disrupted by the logging. Burnaby's beginnings were 1892 to 1913. At this time, there was a network of small neighborhood sawmills and new transportation systems were built. Pre-1992, Burnaby was just land between New West and Vancouver. Few people acquired property in the 1860s and 70s. Canadian Railway extension to Vancouver land was accessible at this time and speculators and business people bought land. Along with the rail route, a small resort town on the inlet on the North Road was built. Few settlers had farms at this time. The municipality of Burnaby was established in 1891 and also the building of an interurban between Vancouver and New Westminster and this plan gave people a free ride on an electric train. Property sales were encouraged during the, the building of the train. The train owners encouraged residential people to form local government so that they could pay for roads, bridges, and other improvement. People at this time set about to satisfy the new provincial legal requirements to incorporate their new town. Burnaby, in September 1892, was recognized by the provincial government. Land boom was created. Land was subdivided, and the government was encouraging to sell reserve land for a low price. Indian people, however, were not allowed to buy land. The indigenous people traveled the Central Valley between Burnaby and New West. Burnaby economic prosperity 1900 to 1913. Suburban land was being bought up quite regularly and about 14,000 residents lived in Burnaby at this time. The tram served as a hub for people to live near and develop housing and business. The tram through Vancouver, Burnaby and New West developed these areas. Some people could afford small estates. Landowners were restricted to European residents only. 
and because of the discriminating laws and the social norms against the indigenous orientals this was not really kosher but this was the flavor of the day unfortunately burnaby at this time railway manufacturing sawmills vegetable gardens plus small businesses district along the hastings and kingsway edmonds and sixth street a lot of land was undeveloped and individuals were responsible for clearing it however as earlier said chinese japanese and south asians and indigenous people were restricted to low-paying jobs this was a complete wall of discrimination at this time then we had the working class suburb from 1914 to 1929 burnaby post-war boom saw an influx of working people of modest means burnaby well established in 1900 the boom and ended during the first world war 2,000 men enlisted in the armed forces and the local economy slumped. Few war industries were in Burnaby at this time. Chemical and munitions factories were set up, including a submarine construction plant. Many males worked as laborers or tradespeople. Coupled with large single mills like the Burnaby Barnett Sawmill in 1925, women also participated in the job market at this time. However, at this time in 1920, farming declined. Low prosperity, lower property taxes in Burnaby uh, made for many local services to be needed. Municipal Water Service 1912 from the Seymour River, property owners had to pay for their own hookups. There was schools that were provided. Residents had to supply their own sewage. Businesses along Hastings and Kingsway contributed and no roads were developed between North and South Burnaby. After 1923, the vehicle traffic jumped in South Burnaby. Kingsway joined the American Pacific Highway and this resulted in an array of gas stations and services for cars along the way. And, and this was in the more affluent North Burnaby area. Tennis clubs, lawn tennis, lawn bowling, Deer Lake, Mostly elites, Brits, lived there, and there are some individuals who had all the amenities for a complete, comfortable living. Uh, federal policies restricted the movement of indigenous people. They were cut off from their traditional resources. Indigenous children were sent to residential schools. The First Nations people were deprived of their resources in their heritage sites and their culture, and they were excluded from buying land and industry and also and urban development they were also excluded from that these losses have affected the communities for decades which are the indigenous people of the region of burnaby burnaby had a prison built near deer lake and it housed many convicts of both sexes were held there 1920s a mass immigration was taking place in north america there was widespread prejudice against asians and and the regularity of immigration of people. However, Chinese immigration slowed down because of the prohibitive tax that was put on those entering the country. Through persistence, the Chinese populated the Fraser Arm and other parts of Burnaby. Farmers sold produce door to door, and a few opened successful grocery stores. 1920, the Chinese Canadians dominated the vegetable trade. Despite punitive trade 
license fees that were established. This was intended to reduce their, their prosperity. Working class residents influenced the local political climate. By 1920, voters began to socialist and labor politicians elected to the Burnaby Council. 1924, they elected a labor candidate to the provincial legislature. In 1925 or 27, Jubilee Hall was a rallying center for the labor education and political organizations of the time. Okay, we went from bus to boom, 1930 to 1945. 1930, Worldwide Depression. October 1929, stock market crash. Revenues declined all over. Burnaby was hard hit, but responded in unique ways to adjust to the situation. Burnaby took those who were unemployed and put them to work on projects and work where they were paid for a fair wage. Burnaby employed locals first. The town and cities were responsible for welfare payments. However, Burnaby's relief dwindled as the homeowners defaulted on their property taxes. The federal government was of little help to Burnaby. The council legally used the reserve funds to pay for the relief. Credit notes were issued instead of cash. 1932, the council defaulted on a loan payment in protest action by other levels of government. Burnaby, over in 1932, council defaulted on a loan payment in protesting action by other levels of government. Burnaby's affairs were taken over by, by the province and they were assumed by a commissioner overseeing the affairs of Burnaby. Squatters were tolerated along Burrard Inlet. Council supported the Army of Common Good. This self-help group that proved to be quite successful. First, it opened its first credit union in 1931, founded by the Army of Common Good. It was set up to exchange of goods and services. It was like an, a co-op. People worked together and there was a back, back door soup kitchens to feed the hungry. Fishermen gave away fish to these people. However, large parts of Burnaby people hunted and collected their booty. Few workers tried to strike, but they were not always successful. Between 1934 and 1935, Burnaby acquired a petroleum refinery, brake and glass company, a Ford assembly plant, and Barnett Mills sold because of tax default to the Kapoor Singh family. He used a Caucasian owner to buy the land, the mills, so that he could run the darn thing because immigrants were forbidden to own property at this time. Burnaby, to save money, they went from a municipal police force to a provincial police force in 1935. The Depression ends in 1939. Canada enters World War II and industrial production ramps up and high levels of unemployment drop. Men went to war. Women filled in the jobs because men were enlisted to fight in Europe. Gasoline and sugar were rationed. The U.S. was attacked in Pearl Harbor in December 1941 on the 7th. All of a sudden, the war was close to Canada than ever before. Burnaby's formed air raid precaution groups. This was in case of an attack by Japan. School children were collected 
and had to learn first aid and they had to practice air raid drills. The Canadian government forced Japanese into camps and the Canadian government confiscated the Japanese property business and left them destitute. Chinese Canadians found there was no way into the military. The Burnaby boom from 1946 to 1970, this was after World War II, Burnaby became one of the fastest growing suburbs. Economy rebounding and strong after the war. The federal government took a large role in its economics of Canada at this time. Canada became a welfare state. Housing was one of the most important things. Burnaby had an economic prosperity that came to it as a result. There was more liberal attitude towards a diverse population. There, those in the military were looking for safe and comfortable homes. Activated demand, affordable homes for the vets and the working class. Burnaby endorsed the plan for housing. First housing development in 1946 started in North Burnaby. From Then from Wellington Heights, 550 homes were built. Residents took up, took up in these homes in 1947. In 1945, Burnaby returned to the elected government. All municipal workers had to belong to the Civic Employees Union, creating a closed shop. The Burnaby Council did away with the system of the commissionaire. After World War II, housing development became to the forefront for veterans. Many amenities were brought about for, as the result of the housing boom. The houses were built to be cost-effective and to appeal to the working people. The design were chosen from a national design catalog. Many people moved to Burnaby. There was 30,728 in 1941. In 1960, there were 107,000 in 1960. Many women lost their wartime jobs only to return to the house. Parks, schools, and playgrounds were demanded for the working class. In 1960, BCIT and became institutions of higher learning. Road work built, the censorship grew, and in 1964, the freeway was brought to Burnaby. This was part of the Canadian Highway. Placements of amusement were became part of Burnaby. There was the bowling alleys, roller skating on Edmonds, the Gay Paris on Kingsway, and the Supper Club were quite the attractions. The Cascade Drive-In Theater was on the Grandview Highway. The Astor Hotel on Kingsville was the first place in Burnaby in 1955 to sell alcohol. The Admiral Hotel on Hastings Place was the second place to start selling alcohol. As the attitudes changed and community became more diverse, it was easier for Asians, vets, and immigrants to get loans to buy houses. In 1947, the Chinese Canadians were given the right to vote. South Asians, full citizenship and the right to vote. 1949 Japanese Canadians were allowed to return to their coast. They also obtained voting rights. 1953 Burnaby repealed the art of preventing Asians from being hired for work process. Richard Lee was the first Chinese to be hired in Burnaby. Indigenous people had a long ways to go before they got the consideration from the government. From 1950 to 1960, Burnaby welcomed big industry, Kelly Douglas, uh, food products, uh, Domtar, plant manufacturing, Simpson Sears, several other industries, fineries in North Burnaby. 
There were pipelines, Sydney Roofing and Paper, and new shopping centers, the Loheed Mall and Brentwood Mall, and small businesses pr prospered also. Burnaby ultimately elected social Democrats both provincially and federally. The cosmopolitan Burnaby from 1970 to 1980. 1970s Burnaby has a new ethnicity had grown by 125,000 peoples that contain many communities. Metro Town was recognized as a major shopping center. Burnaby became the uh, city in 1992. 1973, they co-hosted the Summer Games. Heritage Village was opened in 1973, and many smaller neighborhoods joined Burnaby in 1960. Migration helped a lot to develop Burnaby, and the Skytrain opened in 1985.